heavy metal the way it was meant to be. Classic 80s underground. On blogtalkradio.com, the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. With your host, Mike the Big Cheese.
All right, welcome back to Heavy Metal Mayhem, and I figured we start things off with some Saxon tonight. Kind of goes both ways. One, it's sailing to America, and we have Thanksgiving this week. Also, we have former Saxon guitar player Graham Oliver on the show the week after next. You know, he's got the Oliver Dawson Saxon going on right now, but we'll talk to him about everything. Right now, let me get online, Mr. T. Hey. Yeah, uh, Mr. M. Mr. T. <laughs> it's like the rest of our dogs. How you doing, man? What's going on there? I uh, I saw you typing away at the chat room yeah. about the new Saxon records. So I guess right. what are they going to do? They're going to put uh, reworked versions of some of the, I mean, really old songs. I'm talking about Frozen Rainbow. Yeah, Frozen Rainbow's an acoustic. Um, a song called Requiem. I think that's on, I've got that that on Crusader. Place. I'm not sure about the tune Requiem. Um, I'm not sure what album it's on. They're re-recording Just Let Me Rock, which... Yeah, that, that'll be like the third version. <laughs> yeah. Or the fourth, maybe. Good song, but it's it's been out yeah. there, it, like I said, different versions for a long time. Yeah, um, a re-recorded version of Forever Free. Okay. And the orchestra version of Crusader. I like to hear that with an orchestra. I think that would have a, a big sound, you know. And yeah, definitely, definitely. I know that Andy Sneap is doing it. I mean, he's worked with them exactly. before. It's the last two accepted, right? I mean, he, he's from the band Sabbath, and they're a great band. They came to the scene a little later. Like, they, they kind of struck onto the scene when metal was kind of dead. Right. And they're a great band, but he's more known for his producing these days than actually being in Sabbath. Yeah, I know. It's amazing, right? Pretty well, good you know, stuff. some people have certain talents they can cross, you know. Exactly. I mean, the Sabbath and stuff is good, but it's not as good as the stuff that he produced. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's like if I was to become a producer, I'd probably be a better producer than the songs I could write, you know? Well, you know, you always try to outdo yourself. What can you say? Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. But you talk, at, um, I don't know if you saw the clip. I, it's probably on Blabbermouth, the BWBK. Uh, Queen, uh, like, uh I guess you got to say there's a Jeff Tate Queensryche now, and I guess you call it the original Queensryche. I don't know what you call the other version now. Yeah. Because uh, it's not really the original. It's got more original members than Jeff Tate's band, but there's the... Uh, I don't know how you separate the two when we when we talk about them, but I guess we'll say Queensryche and Jeff Tate's Queensryche. Yeah, Jeff Tate's Queensryche and Queensryche. Yeah, but uh, Queensryche put out a little like five-minute video to promote the new record that's coming out. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, if you go to Blabbermouth or BW, you'll probably see the video on there. And it's just like pictures of the new band with the music for like different parts of the new songs playing in the background behind it. And I got to tell you, the music really sucks. Oh, new, new, brand new songs they wrote. Brand new songs. They don't play, they play like, like 30 second clips of each one, like as, you know, yeah. they have like a, a moving picture show going. Right. And I'm listening to this music and I'm like, this sounds like the shit that has been on the last half a dozen Queensryche records that they were complaining about. That you know they didn't want to go in that direction, but it sounds yeah. exactly like that stuff. Well, all he's no- got to do is write some kick-ass heavy songs, and he can uh-huh. blow them out of the water. It sounds like the shit they've been doing from the '90s on—that grunge, like tilt-tinted uh, yeah. metal, whatever. I'm listening. I'm like, this sounds like shit. Uh-huh. I'm like, this sounds like the stuff they said they didn't want to do. But the, this is what they're writing, and you don't really hear many vocals in there, if any at all. But I don't think the vocals are going to add that much to it. Todd's a great singer, but. I mean, get in there, write a catchy metal tune with, you know, a chorus, a verse, a chorus. Go in there and listen to it when you have a chance, you know, and let yeah. me know. Because I'm telling you, to me, it sounds like the same crap they're doing. Now I'm really curious to hear what Jeff Tater's going to do. Yeah. Because I think he's going to try to one-up them. Well, yeah, yeah. He's the smart one for, ste- for stepping back and waiting. 
because he put together a pretty decent band. I mean, you know, no matter what you say, these guys are, are you know, they might not be heavy, you know, the heaviest, but they definitely can play heavy stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, some of the rat stuff was heavy at times. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, you know, Sazos played in everything from you know pop metal to to you know. Yeah, Ozzy the Quiet Riot and Ozzy Quiet everything. Riot. I mean, you know, so you can't you, know, you can't uh, you can't begrudge them that of that. They're going to be good musicianship. So um, I see that they somebody Rhino. Rhino signed Queensrack? Are they they signed? I didn't notice that. I didn't really pay attention. Rhino announced the signing of progressive metal band Queensrack. The band is working on Operation Mindcrime Two, a sequel to the. Uh, what the hell year was this? Oh no, this is very old. Yeah, you're going kind of way back there. Yeah, no, I did. I <laughs> just did a search, and it was the first thing that popped up. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but I have to tell you, I mean. I've always been in the original bands, like, you know, favor because I like what they were saying about getting back to that classic sound. Sure. And that Tate took it. And you kind of see, like, how Tate drove. But now, I'm telling you, if the hand with the point out, I think it sounds like crap. Maybe it'll be better when the whole songs are played and the vocals are in there. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not digging it from the little samples well, I'm hearing. Like when you heard new, uh, every time they leaked, say, new Metallica, you heard it, you knew it wasn't going to get any better. I'm exactly. Sorry. You know what I'm saying? You're right. You know, I mean... It's not bad for another band, uh, you know, a new band or, or bands, but when you have a band like Metallica, Queensryche, you know, except, you know, bands that, that really, uh, they really represent their genre, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And they don't put out any, you know, they don't put out a good record, you know, you know it right away. I know. Maybe when I got the first interview going on, you can head over there and check out the samples. I don't know what you think. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk because, I think, like I said, I think Jeff has got a classic 80s band behind him now, guys that are known for writing, you know, the heavy metal that we kind of like. And I think he's going to say, you know what? You're talking all this shit that I don't want to do the earlier stuff. Here you go. I, I think he's going to, like, just do it. Yeah. And get that old sound back just to spite them and maybe just keep that new sound in his solo work because I'm not crazy about that either. But yeah, yeah. It, it should oh, be interesting. God. It's getting interesting. That's all I can say. An interesting tale of uh, of woe. <laughs> tale of woe. Whoa. <laughs> uh, you're not kidding. Hey, look, we got a good show tonight. An interview right. with the uh, Wild Mick Brown from Dockin, and he's been with Ted Nugent for years now. And hey, wild um, he's got Tooth and Nail, which now is called TNN. They must have been sued or something yeah. over using the name Tooth and Nail, so they cut it down to TNN. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have Marcus Brinkman. I re I recorded this interview during the week. It's a short one because you know it's it's difficult the language barrier. Even though he did pretty well, I have to say. So, German, uh, right? German. German, yeah, German. yes. But we'll get that on later on. But we got a great month of December coming up, man. We got uh, Steve Doss. I'm uh, sorry, Graham Oliver from. Uh, no, who do we got? No, we got Graham Doss and Steve Oliver from. Uh, <laughs> Oliver Doss and Sachs. It's getting confusing with all these split bands, but we got uh, both of them coming on the show this month together. Uh, one's going to be pre-recorded, so I'm going to get them both on the same show and try to inter intertwine them. Uh, we have Mr. Uli John Roth on this month. That's going to be fantastic. Whoa. Yeah, Uli John Roth and a whole bunch of other classic cult underground bands that I dug up from the vault. So, you know, we'll have them all listed uh, next week. We've still got one show left for November, so uh, we'll right. worry about it after then. But let me see. Let's get some music on, Tay. All right. I, that's why I played the Saxon song. I think, you know, because it's Thanksgiving, Sailing to America. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, we got a monster. Let me see. Uh, you know what? You were just talking about rat and some of the earlier stuff. How about we do early rat? Okay, cool. All right, you got it.
I play those guys on the show right before that some old rat going back to that first EP with you got it so uh good stuff over there you know what it's almost 6 30 I didn't even realize it uh time's flying by today yeah look at that yeah I know there was something else in the metal news I wanted to, to mention I just can't remember what the hell it was I'm gonna have to look it up uh when we play another song and find out but I know I wanted to talk about the Queensryche which we did and there was one other thing I'll have to get to it uh it was one of the old classic bands or something. And somebody passed away. Uh, the guitar player for the band Alien. I don't know if you remember those guys. No, no. They were, they were a New York band. They had an album called Cosmic Fantasy. They were kind of a... I mean, they were going back to the early 80s. They had the whole glam thing going on. But they were a good, solid, hard rock band. But they just had that image. Uh, they kind of looked like the New York Dolls and... Uh, Kiss with the you know with the white makeup on everything, yeah. and I just can't remember the name of the guitar player from the band, but he passed away this week. Their singer passed away a little while ago. Uh, he played with Rick Fox, who used to be in Wasp and uh, and Sin, and his band. But uh, the guitar player just went passed on too, and I can't remember his name. I'm gonna try to look it up, but there's very little info about them on the internet. Yeah. Well, I'll see if I can dig up the name somewhere. But uh, you know what? Let's do Alien. We'll do some cosmic fantasy while I try to find the guy's name. I have to be in his. I would think. Late 40s, maybe early 50s. Wow, so yeah. Let me find out. But uh, here you go. This is the name of the album, the only one they put out, and it's a great song. Down. 
Okay, Alien, a cosmic fantasy. I guess I, I just can't find the name of the guitar player, but he, he did pass away this week, and they were a great New York band from back in the day, if you haven't seen them. And obviously, Tommy hasn't been one of them once I saw them. I guarantee if you saw the logo team, the picture, you probably recognize them. It's just probably not ringing a name. Alien? Alien, yeah. I think one of them had, like, um, gold skin or something? or They might have. Skin. I don't remember, because really, there's not much out there about them. I saw the album cover. Yeah. And the album cover, I remember, was pinkish, uh, with like a white cloud. They were all standing there, like the the high stack heels on and everything. And uh, I'm trying to find somebody on Facebook that mentioned it, and I'll get the name. But just it's taking forever to scroll through the friggin' things. <laughs> but uh, he did pass away this week, but that's our way of paying our respect to him. So uh, that's about all you get here at the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Hey, what do you want? Everything. That's right. You know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> if, you know, A list, all right. We'll put a little bit more effort. B, we'll mention your name. You know, anything below yeah. B, yeah. and you know, you'll get a song if we can dig it up. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> right? You know, it's the Tommy of broadcasting method. That's it. All right. I thought we do this interview with Mick Brown from uh, Dokken, Ted Nugent, because right after that we have Mr. Ken Pierce from PiercingMetal.com, who's going to call him with his weekly conference account update and uh, probably drag the segment on five minutes more than he should, but we'll give Kenny that. <laughs> He's not around tonight listening, so it's okay. He'll play back the podcast later. Okay. <laughs> All right. He's calling it from location today. He's at that, uh, uh, I think it's that Portnoy uh, Sheehan show. There's a, that group in Portnoy now with Sheen and two other people. McAlpine, I think. Is that who it is, Tony McAlpine? I think so. I, I, it's hard to know Portnoy because he starts a super group every three months and then, you know, they he don't is, do much or anything. He is amazing, you know, but he's got a very um, weird... Um, Attention span. Yeah, it doesn't go very long. Uh, most of them don't even make it to the album stage, you know? Right, right. Some of them don't even make it out of the, what do you call it? I'll, the naming stage. You had the really... band with, uh, 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 what the hell was his name? Uh, right, right, it was right. a three-piece band. They never came out with a bass player, but it was him and, uh, oh, who the hell's a guitar player from White Snake? And, uh, you know, I just drew a blank on his name. Great, amazing guitar. I just, I just threw a complete blank on his name. Uh, Thin Lizzy, White Snake. Yeah, Adrian Vandenberg. No, not Adrian Vandenberg. No. No, I know it's no. I just can't believe I drew a blank on the name. Uh, he hasn't done much in a yeah, long, yeah, long... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about... Um, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> right? <laughs> just threw a blank on the name. We are really getting older. We can't think of his fucking name. Sykes, John Sykes. John Sykes, that's right. right he had right. the band, and him and Sykes, they were on that metal show. They they promoted it a little bit, and then they just died on the fine. No no bass play, no nothing. Yeah. There were two or three other bands. I know he's got Adrenaline Mob going with, you know, Michael Lando and those guys and Russell Allen, and he's got another project right now. He's all over the place. I mean, I don't know, man. It seems a lot easier to earn a living just being in Dream Theater, but <laughs> who am I to say anything? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Look, you know, you know, this is a hard business. It's even harder today than ever before. Sure. So if you're in a band that's working, making money, touring regularly, putting hours, and and making money doing it, maybe not, you know, millionaire money, but money, enough yeah. to live on, you kind of don't leave that to go out to the wilderness where there's nothing out there. And it's not like that band made so much money that he's comfortable and doesn't need to make any more to live on. It's not like if Ozzy left, you know, Ozzy and you know Tony yeah. only to do Black Sabbath, and those guys are okay. He must have made some good investments because he don't look like he's starving. No, no, you're right about that. You're right about that. All right, well, let's do this interview with, with Wild Mick Brown 
from Dokken, TNN, and Ted Nugent. Sit back and relax. Hey, Mick, is that you? Uh, this is Mick. Mike? Yeah, this is Mike, buddy. What's going on? Uh, you know, I'm loving the golden weather here in Arizona. Uh, <laughs> and, guys, and I know the rest of the country and probably yourself had some trouble uh, with the hurricane, huh? Uh, man, we had, and today we got hurricane force winds, snow, rain. It doesn't let up here in New York. It's 90 degrees here today, and I tell you, uh, <laughs> it's a crime at the Canyon. How you doing, man? Everything good? Yeah, how can I be bad? I'm talking to you today. What else could be wrong? All right. Wonderful, wonderful. Same We're doing here. good. Hey, you know, this has been a this has been a pretty uh, active year for you, I gotta say. Between everything with, with Nugent and starting out the year with Dokken and now TNN, uh, things are pretty busy. Yeah, you know, it hasn't been too uh, too bad. I, I tell you, it's awful slow right now. I had some plans to uh, do some things after the Nugent tour, and uh, everything just sort of slowed right up. I did one Dokken show, and I planned to do a bunch, but. Uh, the guitar player went in, uh, John Levin, went in for some surgery on his shoulder. Uh, he's going to be laid up for about four months. I went to play with George Lynch <laughs> and asked him if he had anything going on. He said, well, I have some Lynch mob stuff that needs to be recorded, and we're going to do that. And I flew out to Los Angeles. I guess they had a, a scuffle and uh, broke the band up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I turned around and flew back home. And uh, hey, it's been slow. So, uh, you know what? If it's going to be that way, fine. I'll just sit here and enjoy the weather and do nothing. That's <laughs> hey, all right. Well, you know what? You better have stayed away from Ted for a little while until the Obama thing calms down. Yeah. <laughs> Catch him in a few weeks when he's all over it and everything. But, you know, the, the whole thing is, you know, you got the TNN going right now. Uh, I know the albums. Is this, is this going to be like a full-time band for you guys? Or is this something you're going to come back to every now and then like a project? Yeah, and right now it's at the project level. Um, you know, we had uh, originally uh, November first, we were going to try and and do six weeks of a tour. So we, you know, uh, the three of us had, uh, and Michael Sweet, I think, was going to join us, uh, the guitar player for Stri and singer from Striper. Yeah. Uh, he was going to front the band, and we thought, well, you know, we'll do six weeks of touring. Uh, we were pretty much getting ready for rehearsals for that. And everyone involved behind the scenes, you know, management, uh, tour managers, promoters, uh, booking agents, they all said, listen, we're not, you guys are going too fast or we're, we're not ready to do this. So they put the brakes on it and we said, well, if we don't do it now, it's going to be another maybe nine or ten months because everyone's schedule, uh, you know, Jeff Colson works pretty heavily in Foreigner and then, you know, I got summers with Ted and, and I have Doc and things, but, uh, you know, there's going to be a part two to this TNN. Um, you know, because when, when we went in to record it, uh, when I got involved, we did 12, uh, God, 11 or 12 docking songs. So whatever, however many appear on this uh, Slave of the Empire, uh, the remainder is going to show up in nine or ten months, probably with some other original material oh, okay. uh, that, that maybe Jeff and George and I will do. And who knows, maybe we can get Don to show up on something. That would be kind of fun to see us re uh, reunite that way. Yeah, I think you got a better chance of seeing Christ walk on water again than that happening. Well, you know, pretty much, but Don thinks he's Christ, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sure does. Do you ever feel like that divorced kid going between Don and George? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I think that I feel like more like the parent in their kids. <laughs> and I visit them on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's too much, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy stuff. But you know, that's the business. But I mean, you go back twice. I mean, 
you go back to the seventies, like the mid seventies, late seventies, when you kind of got the whole docking thing going. Did, it, did back then did anybody ever say why are we letting this guy name the band after himself? Because it started out as the boys or something, didn't it? Well, you know, that's where a lot of the uh, actually I'll tell you where the whole uh, thing started, where we didn't get along. George and I were in this band called The Boys in Los Angeles, and Don was in a band. I think uh, I think he might have called it Doc, and I'm not sure. Uh, pre pre anyone, no one had records out. So Don was really interested in what George and I were doing, and uh, he approached us one time. He said, "Listen, I'm going to go. I'm real good friends with Dieter Dirks, and uh, I think I can get something going. Can I take some of your songs? You know, this, especially this one's on Pulse is burning, and uh, he wanted to record that, and you know, maybe try and get a record done. We told him no. We said no. We don't. We're not interested. You know, these are those are George and my songs. You know, yeah. <laughs> so." Uh, later, he called up from Germany and said, "Listen, I I have a record contract, and you know I, I used this this song." And, and, so, and I looked over at George. George and I were living together at the time. I looked over at George and go, "The guy stole our songs and he recorded them." And I, you know we didn't know what to do. And he's, but he was asking me to join the band. Yeah. And I and I looked at I looked at George. And I said, "You know what?" I said, "Let's take a chance." He goes, "I don't I don't want to play with that guy." <laughs> oh man. I said, "Listen." Let's take a chance, and I'll ask if you know if I'll do it if you'll do it too, and uh, maybe this will lead to something. Well, you know, there it was. So, you know, Don said, "Yeah, okay." Well, I wasn't really interested in bringing George in, but you, you know, if you won't do it without him, yes, we'll do it. Those are his songs too, you know. So uh, we did that, and then eventually those, those songs became uh, the Electra uh, record recordings, and uh, it, it never was smooth sailing from that point on. Personally, you know, we never really had any problem making music together. Uh, that always seemed to come pretty easily. Uh, anything with business or personalities. <laughs> yeah, that was a danger zone. <laughs> you know, and, and isn't that ninety percent of it? There? I mean, I mean, exactly. You know, you're on a tour bus together. Uh, you're rehearsing, or you're making decisions, or trying to make decisions. And we would just go through the rings with the, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, you know, for like people that are into the into Docker from back in the day, they think it kind of came overnight. But there were a lot of years before the band started getting recognition and started getting you know known for what you were doing. It wasn't like an overnight success. There was a lot of years put into that to that band before it started to break. Uh, yeah, I, I guess like you know, I mean, I've seen stories that are longer than that. But uh, you know, George and I, were, George and I seemed to do it pretty. I met George when I was about seventeen years old. I think he was. 19, we just, I just turned 17, he was 19, uh, when he moved uh, back from North, I met him in Northern California, he moved back to Los Angeles, I was real serious about, you know, chasing this, so I think he wrote me and said, uh, back then we used to write actual letters, and <laughs> he wrote wow. me and yeah. said, listen, if you're really, I know, if you're really serious, this is where we should <laughs> come to do it, so, you know, I moved to Los Angeles uh, with, you know, 35 cents in my pocket, and I don't know how we did it, but we survived, and uh, we just went. We said, "Let's just go to Hollywood and see what happens." You know, to a nightclub and start knocking on doors, sort of. You know, so the first night we went, we met Rodney Bingenheimer, who was like the mayor of Sunset Strip. We met a guy named Kim Fowley, who founded the Runaways. Yeah, and uh, you know, just these people started taking interest in us right away. They were like, "Who are you guys? What are you?" You know, well, we're in this band, blah blah. All right, and you know, from there we sort of stayed in the. In touch, and because uh, the local bands like ours, uh, the boys in this band called Van Halen, <laughs> yeah, I they, uh, we had big, we had big uh, local street followings, and 
in Hollywood those days, you had to have a recording contract to play these clubs on the Sunset Strip, and they opened up the doors to our, to Van Halen and the boys, and uh, it just it changed everything, you know. And I, I mean, I, I remember leaving on a Thursday night this nightclub called the Starwood, and I think the, on the bill that night was this band that I, George and I were in called the Boys, uh, the Motels, Quiet Riot with Randy Rhodes and Van Halen, all in one night, and. When we left, Van Halen was playing Running with the Devil, and we knew that they were just going to be gigantic. Yeah. And there was only 50, 15 people in the club probably at that time. And I remember about about 1, 1 in the morning looking over at George going, God, the whole world doesn't know that this band's going to be just phenomenal. And we walked out the door thinking there's 15 people there. But, you know, and, and like nine months later, you know, the story. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was oh, yeah. really something to, to behold, you know. Yeah, every band in that boat went on to make a name for themselves. Uh, it's, it's it's incredible. But you say, you know, I know it's a whole different you know industry today, a whole different business model for the record industry. But I don't think the young bands today have that drive like you guys did. You kind of went like all for nothing. Like you said, you had 35 cents in your pocket. You were going in. You weren't going to come back till you made something of it. Well, I don't think the bands today have that dedication. But there's also really not much for them to look forward to either. You guys knew back then that you can get a record deal, make money doing it, you know, go out on the Yeah, I mean, uh, it was, I think the odds were a lot different. I mean, uh, well, you know, okay, first off, I don't, I don't want to co- say all the bands today don't have that drive. I think a lot of people are very driven. But, uh, yeah, what are the odds? I mean, um, where do you fit in anymore? Uh, back then, if you were a rock band and had a record, well, you were a big rock star. You know? yeah. uh, the first year we came out with uh, Breaking the Chains, 700 records were uh, released that year. The next year, 7,000 records were released, and the following year, 70,000. Wow. And it just went up, up, you know, until I don't know what it is these days. You know? <laughs> I mean, it, it was phenomenal. You know, we, we were the last uh, generation of bands. Someone told me, they said, you know, because of MTV and that last generation of the pre-iTunes uh, world. Yeah. They said, you know, you're the last band that people can go, wow, Mick, George, Don, and Jeff, and, you know, know the members. Kind of like in the era I grew up, you know, I knew the band. All of, I could do all the bands on, I do the Beatles, Rolling Stones, Dave Clark Five, Herman's Hermits, and The Who, you know, all on one yeah. and you knew them all for the 60s. You know? and there was only seven bands. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's no figure. But nowadays, like you said, you who is the drummer? What's his name in in Shangdown? You know, I mean, I, I should know that because I'm a drummer. But you know, but no, not everybody does. You know? It's true. Yeah. That's really true. When you go back to to those early days, when did you first like say to yourself, you know, we, I think we're going to make it? Like, what, what was the moment that broke for you that said, "Hey, well, it's we're in very now. very odd, but I really <laughs> this is going to sound really strange." When I was uh, about seven and a half years old, I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Um, and my mom told me later, we, you know, Ed Sullivan was this big variety show for people who don't know. Uh, and it was the show that America watched on Sunday night or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, it was a family thing. And I watched it. I, I was, I, I just was overwhelmed by this Beatles thing. It changed the world overnight. The next day, at school, everyone combed their hair different. <laughs> you know? And yeah. my mom said, you know, that moment, you looked up at me like, what is this? And, and, you know, why are the girls screaming? My mom said, well, they think that these guys are really cute and they really like them. And I was overwhelmed by their look and their music was just, it's phenomenal. I mean, look at their music today. Still I know. Else. 
And she said, you know, your whole thing changed the moment you saw it. So something very much happened there. When I was eight years old, I was very serious about being a drummer. And my parents took me to my first drum lesson, and I took drum lessons from a guy named Mickey Hart, uh, who was the drummer later, two years later, became the drummer, the, one of the two drummers in the Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead, yeah. And uh, I never saw him since. And when I was 10 years old, I was in my first band. I'm 56 now. <laughs> and uh, I never stopped. But, and I knew that I really wanted to do that. And I'm telling you, in high school, I remember teachers would, at the end of the year, you know, would say, listen, you know, you're, you don't seem to be real attentive here in, at the history class, you know. And I'm like, you know, I, I tell you, my mind is somewhere. Well, what are your plans for the future? Because I'm going to be a big, famous rock star. <laughs> and, and guy, I remember one guy looked at me and said, you know, you, you're pretty sure of this, huh? He said, you know what the odds are? I said, I know everything about it. And I said, I'm going to go chase it. I'm going to do it. And I remember he passed me in the class. and said, I was probably going to fail. And I think that speech made, gave me a, a D score to get through it. He goes, well, I wish you the best of luck, young man, because I've never seen you focused on anything. <laughs> and now I went, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's incredible. So, you know, the Beatles moment was very, and, you know, I thought my story was the only one that was like that. But since since then, I've read so many musicians were overwhelmed by the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show that they said that moment, and that must have been a magic moment, man, to change that many people's lives to become musicians and chase this dream. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was like that for a lot of people in a lot of bands. Yeah. Everybody had their yeah, isn't that something. I mean, it, it, they struck so many, so many people. Uh, God bless them. You know, uh, it's incredible. Yeah, I, mean, I guess Elvis had that impact on a lot of people. Bing Crosby. I mean, uh, Hank Sinatra too. Though my parents said they he caused kind of stir when they were young. Yeah, he was a big thing back then. You know, well, yeah, all yeah, the with the Rat Pack and the rest of them. You know, every, right. Every generation had that thing that just motivated them. Even if you moved on to something different, you know, you always got to come from somewhere, and then you find your own way down the road. And that's what you did, and the rest of the bands. But you know, uh, after after the Beatles, I was always looking to see, well, what you know. Uh, I mean, that story remained through my generation. Uh, in later generations, you know, on the road, we were talking. To, I'd be talking to young kids, musicians, and said, you know, what what where, what was your moment? And they go, Kiss. <laughs> You know, Kiss inspired so many bands of today. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were overwhelmed when they saw Kiss. They were like the Circus Side Show. I mean, then you had the catchy music on top of that. There was something for everybody with those guys, and I think that's what did it for a lot of young people. Myself it included. did. It, it, it inspired the generation following mine. That I, and I could tell, by the way, these kids were telling the story. It was the same story, except the band was Kiss. And I just thought, wow. You know? <laughs> it's always somebody. It's, we yeah, but I'm, uh, who, I wonder who that is to, in this day and age, you know. I mean, I, that was, you know, that's a long time ago. It's got to be another generation, and uh, I'm a little out of touch because I'm older, but I wonder who's uh, who's inspiring the bands. Now, I know Kurt Cobain had a lot to do with that, you know, um, people and stuff. Anyway, I'm getting so far off the track here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love to hear, uh, you know, I, I understand that you're, you're following my story. So. <laughs> I am listening, man. You're keeping me entertained. That's all that matters to me. All right, great. Look, but I know exactly what you're saying. I don't know who, who gets the kids going today because it seems that this generation don't doesn't feel the same way about a lot of the music like we did. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't think they do, you know, because um, I think part of it to do was, okay, rock and roll was obviously brand new when I started. And if you could play an instrument, uh, instruments were for people in the orchestras back then, you know. 
And uh, all of a sudden, if you could play the drums or a rock guitar or something, or you could dance and do the, this dance called the twist, yeah. wow, you were something, man. And people thought you were really special. And, you know, back then, listen, I could play the drums when I was 8 and 10 years old pretty well. And that was magic to people. They were like, whoa, my God, this guy could play the drums. I could fell from outer space or something, you know. But nowadays, kids could probably play as well as I can now at 10 years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not quite as special. It doesn't seem as special. It is because it's it's phenomenal it would, you put your mind to when you you know get down to your instrument and go there and your talent how how it can form uh, from a, a young age and man look, I mean look at the kids who grew up on Eddie Van Halen their generation of guitar players true oh, big cow you know I know it's it just seems like it's so much harder today for the, I always say like you know when Van Halen and Judas Priest and I made pack it in like where's the next group of bands coming from that are gonna headline Madison Square Garden or some of the big arenas it just seems like there's I don't know, there's no support system. Yeah, you know, I mean, God, who plays Madison Square Garden? I mean, when I was doing my concerts uh, in the big arena days uh, with Dawkin, uh, we were on tour with, you know, Dio, Judas Priest, Aerosmith, Kiss, uh, Van Halen. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, every concert was a huge event. Um, I'm not saying that there's not now, but, uh, uh, you know, yeah, things have changed quite quite a bit. there's uh, well, you know, it's just a different world out there, and there's a lot of it. So you know, maybe it's watered. I'm not gonna say watered down, but it's just uh, a little bit different these days now. Yeah, you know, it, it really is. You can't replace those times like the '70s. I mean, what was the money like back in the '80s when Doc and finally started getting his songs out there and making money? Because today you can't make money in this rigging business. You know, it's almost impossible. well. You know, you're you're kind of right since the event of uh, iTunes and. Rhapsody and you know all the other rapsters and all that. Yeah. Um, you know that took a lot of the a lot of the fire out of the money uh, from the whole thing. Um, okay, I'll tell you uh, when Dawkins became popular, um, we would our, our, the bulk of our uh, income was our record sales and records are these things that are you know ten or twelve inches big. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Put on, there's a lot of people that don't know that. And so then merchandise became secondary. And over the years, merchandise became huge. Record sales started declining. And nowadays, it's all live performances for me. I mean, yeah. we put out new projects and things, and they don't sell. I mean, we used to sell millions. Now we sell less than millions. And uh, merchandise is still um, good when you're at your live performance, you know? Yeah. So um, that's the that's the cause of so many guys like myself or Jeff Pilsen or George Leach that have several bands, one band, because you need to play with a lot of bands and stay in a live performing arena to make the money. I, I know. You know, it's a shame because you hear people say, well, you know, like the TNN record came out and sold 2,000 copies. It sold 2,000 copies, but... 100,000 people downloaded that record for free. That doesn't count because it well, doesn't Well, you know, count. how do you think how do you think we feel when that happens? It, 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 to me, it's just, you know, I feel like I'm just being, you know, screwed. You <laughs> I'm sorry, that. but, uh, you know, it, it, if you took Toulouse-Lautrec and you took his paintings and mass-produced them, which eventually happened, you know, he probably would flip, but... Uh, I find it to be, you know, it, it's it, it ruined 
it ruined the income for it. And that's the, the price of the jacked-up tickets now. I mean, you know, look at Motley Crue and Kiss, $1,300 for uh, close close seats. Yeah. Well, you know why, folks? Because you sold the music. <laughs> It's true. You're going to pay for one way or the other, either through the record you know, or I mean, they're going to figure it out eventually. I wish we were getting $1,300 a ticket for, you know, some of the Ted Nugent shows. I was that. And I'd be a rich man today. But, you know, listen, aside from money, the, the love of the arts there. Listen, I would love to make uh, the living I did when I did in the 80s, uh, the income. Uh, also, But money got me into a lot of trouble <laughs> uh, with the IRS and things like that. And uh, maybe it's maybe this is God's way of saying, "Hey, just enjoy what you're doing," you know. And I do, I love it. That's all that matters. It's, it's got to be wild being out in the road with Ted. I, I know he's getting a little older these days, but he doesn't quite to calm down for nothing. It's got to be, <laughs> be outrageous. Being uh, the man uh, playing with Ted Nugent. I'll tell you what, he's everything that uh, you see of of his personality is gigantic. Yeah. I mean, Superman can barely hold a candle. That guy, uh, he he's much more than, uh, I mean, he's everything that he claims to be and more. And he's much so generous. Uh, when Katrina happened, he bought four hundred four hundred sleeping bags and cots and just sat them down there. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he sends a ton of meat that he kills animals with his bow. Just one man and a bow and arrow. He sends a ton of jerky and meat to the troops every year. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna, he'll look at the audience. He'll say this on stage, and he'll look at the audience. What are you guys do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, how do you how do you fight that when it's real? You're just like, okay, this guy wins. And you know, besides uh, the great person he is, listen, his guitar playing has become phenomenal. I I wasn't the giant. Ted Nugent fan in the 70s of his guitar playing, but he's not the same guy. And I, I told him that before. He said, you know why, Nick? I, I never stopped. I pick my guitar up every day and I play. And because of that, you, you get better. And, and he practices and, and it, it formed, you know, who he is today. He seems effortless on guitar. And he said, you know, I said, a lot of guys your age, Ted, just don't have it or can't do it. He goes, because they give up. They, they stop picking up their guitar. You know, they go, well, we're just going to play this song, and that's that. And he's nothing like that. He's still a threat when we're on tour with Sticks and Ario Speedwagon or anybody we play with on a big show level. He refuses to take second place. We will go out and make our impression and, in our eyes, win. You know, And I'm telling you, I'm so proud to be part of a band like that. And he gets the biggest kick out of me because I have a lot of uh, energy like that. And, he, you know, Sometimes he laughs and when he gives his speech and he goes, if that doesn't work, give the flag to Mick and he'll charge the hill. God bless him that I'm up to his standard, you know, because he just wants the best. And I, well, I'm so thrilled when I figure he considers me some of the best. It's really quite a thing. You know? I'm very lucky for that, you know. Yeah, it's good. To, I mean, I know you said things are quiet right now. Probably, you know, we're coming to the end of the year. What's going on for 2013? Maybe we'll get the the TNN stuff going out live. And well, like I said, uh, there's going to be a part two. I got a funny feeling that's going to be for some reason. I'm just throwing it out. Uh, part two seems to be where I bet you the the TNN band comes alive as a touring band uh, in a window somewhere there, and maybe you know. Once it gets going, then we can sort of figure it out. But at least then we'll have plenty of time to <laughs> those people who are dragging their feet. We'll have plenty of time to get it going. And um, you know the fun part about it is 
uh, whoever, I know it's going to be George, Jeff, and I, but at some point, I, I'd like to see Brian Tishy get involved in a live thing, you know, if he's got time, do some two-drummer stuff, what a kick that be, man. And then I said, listen, the fact that we have all these other singers on the thing, any town or any time or anywhere, anybody's close that sang on it, come on yeah. down, <laughs> you know. So, you know, there's a lot of options on who can front the band and uh, ways we can do it, you know. I mean, when we recorded it, uh, my little heart just skipped the beat when some of these guys were expressing to uh, George and Jeff and I that they were huge Dawkins fans, and we're like, wow, you know, Doug Pennock was a Dawkins fan. Or, you know, Sebastian Bach, like, he came to sing the song alone again. We gave these guys license to pretty much do what you want, keep the integrity of the song, but be yourself. And yeah. Sebastian said, you know, I – Absolutely adore the way you guys recorded. I'm not going to change anything. I'm going to sing it just like Don did, except I'm going to sing it. And wow, what a compliment to the band! You know, I thought wonderful. And uh, it does panic, but he did on to- the song "Tooth and Nail." Oh my God, Docking with a Black Singer, bring it on, baby! Knock <laughs> it out of the park, man! Yeah, <laughs> phenomenal. So there's you know a lot of uh, open windows of what we can do. And if, I think it's going to be a real fun band down the road. Boy, I'm it's kind of disappointed we missed it now. But, you know, hey, better things to come later. That's right. There's always next year. Hey, Mick, I'm going to let you go, man, because we're running out of time here anyway in a segment. But, man, I appreciate you talking with today. You're a funny Mike, guy, man. I appreciate everything you do. It's God bless people like you, man. Keep it rolling. Hey, you come on anytime you want. Hey, listen, stay off the golf carts for the rest of the year. You hear me? Oh, my God. I can buy a few of them with the legal matters I've got going on. <laughs> i got my own fleet. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mike. Unless right, you come out say hi anytime. You got it, buddy. Take care. Right, bye bye.
right, brand new TNN. That's the title track of the record coming out, Slaves to the Empire. Pretty good. It's got a little bit of that old sound style to it, but yet they kind of kept it modern. Pretty good. Now, again, I have a whole bunch of singers. Like I said, Sebastian Bach is on there. I like what he calls Doug Panic, you know, the black doc. And yeah. <laughs> <That's pretty good. laughs> Doug Panic is on there and uh, a whole bunch of other people, too. Uh, I just can't remember all the names right now. Uh, the singer who's in Warrant right now, uh, the new singer from Warrant, he's on there and a few other people. Yeah, no, but just... Those first couple of uh, docking records were were really icon, you know, kind of iconic, you know. Yeah, yeah. You heard him in the beginning. He said that all those songs were written by him and George. Wow. And uh, uh, when they were called the Boys, uh, you know, breaking the chains Holy and Paris shit, is burning. Really? Yeah, he says that was those songs were all tunes that were uh, a band called the Boys that they were in before docking. Uh huh. And uh, they hooked up with Don. And they started, you know, putting everything together. And uh, he said he had a meeting with a record company. He says he went over there and he told them that they were all his songs. So it kind of like I guess that was his way Forced his way into Into that group Yeah And he got them a deal Doing that So yeah you know what It made them all A ton of money probably In the 80s Because Doctor oh, Were a pretty big band You know As long as he got He's on the record You know I mean He's on the he's, He recorded You know He uh, he was the composer So to speak Yes so Yeah Yeah That worked out for him Yeah okay. So Look out for For TNN They're going to be Hitting uh, I guess The The concert scene Of 2013 uh, we still got Marcus Brinkman from Mob Rules, a pretty cool German power metal band. Those are one of the bands that you know were out when metal was kind of like uh, falling apart here in America, and they oh, yeah. kind of kept like, it going like in their yeah. own way, you know. Yeah, sure. And they've been at it for quite some time. Mark, he's been in the band for about ten years, I think. So he's not one of the original members, but a good guy nonetheless. We'll talk to him in a little bit. I know we have Mr. Kent Pierce calling in from Piercing Metal in a few minutes. He's live. Somewhere in Manhattan from that Portnoy show, so maybe we'll hear a little uh, music in the background. Okay. See what that sounds like, but uh, let me see what else we have. I uh, know we got to do something. Oh, we have to do our demolition segment. We didn't even uh, yeah. we didn't even jump on that yet. Cool. Okay, it would be good if I knew who the hell the band was. <laughs> I don't even see the song up there. I probably didn't even upload the music for it. <laughs> uh, I got to figure out who's in the demolition segment this week. And, oh, it's Wrathchild America. That's who it was. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't even upload the tune. So I'll do that, and we'll get that on later in the show. I'll do it while we're dilly-dallying around down here. But uh, they were a good band. I remember seeing Wrathchild on a Thursday night at Lemoore when they used to have, like, the Battle of the Bands on Thursday nights. Yeah. They were just called Wrathchild back then, not Wrathchild America. Uh, the name change came from the one in the U.K. where I guess they were giving them a hard time because they were – around for a lot longer, and they were like a glam metal band, but they were actually good, that Wrathchild UK. I actually liked them, you know, they had some really good tunes, uh, but they changed their name, and they had a, the first demo had a song called Dangerous, which was really cool, and they did a great cover of Aerosmith's Lightning Strikes. Oh, really? Oh, it was so, especially live. I don't know if it's on any album, well, it could have been on an album, because the first album came on the Wrathchild America, and they were a much heavier band back then, but it was such a killer song. The first time I was like, it didn't even sound like Aerosmith to me, but that was like the Aerosmith when I think Joe Perry was out of the band, and I don't know who, if the other guy was out also at that time. Lightning Strikes? Yeah, I'm not sure if he was on that record. Joe Perry wasn't on it. Oh, he wasn't on that. But record? who else left the band? Somebody else left the band at that time. Well, Wifford, Wifford also left the band at one time. Okay, uh, maybe it was when both of them were gone. Yeah. yeah. That album came out, but they yeah, did a killer version of it. Jimmy Crespo and somebody else. Lightning strikes. Yeah, it's a good tune. Yeah. So 
I don't even know if I have uh, the Rats of America upload, but if it's not, I'll try to get it on at the end of the show. But it, it is on the blog spot, so head over there and uh, download yourself a copy. This is the second demo tape. You'll, you'll enjoy it. I thought I did, but, you know, I was so busy this week, but eh, what the hell. All right, we'll do one more tune, and uh, Mr. Kemp here should be ready to dazzle us with his weekly concert calendar update. So uh, let's do a little Jack Panza. Go back to the first record. This is like my title track. It's generally hostile. Jack Panzer coming off their first record. I was so happy last year when it came out with a new record, and then they kind of fell apart after that. 
Crystal Shake left the band and they just decided to pack it in. But I've been hearing rumors that they're going to go back at it again, and I think Joey Tafola might be back in the fold. The top player joined the band early on. I, I just got that Rap Child song uploaded. Unfortunately, it's not the demo version. It's the album version because I don't have that on this computer. I didn't transfer yet. But let's get the demolition segment song on here. This sounds a lot better than the demo tape. But head over to the blog spot. Grab yourself a copy of it. It's the band's second demo, Days of Thunder. Here's a song called Hell's Gates.
All right, that was this week's demolition segment artist, Rothschild America. Head over to the blog spot, download yourself a copy of that. You know, T, you, you know, I, I go on eBay every now and then looking for like old magazines, you know, metal magazines, look for old uh, you know, metal forces and kerangs I used to have. Yeah. And I and I and I found a newspaper article from Baltimore. Rothschild comes from Baltimore, oh. and it was like a local paper over there who wrote like a whole two-page article on the band, like when they first got started, and they recorded that first demo for like eighty-two, eighty-three. So I found it on eBay. Somebody was selling it for like five bucks. So I bought it just to have it. I was reading it in the kitchen. You know, it was an old paper. It was like barely holding together. I left it on the table to go to the bathroom. My wife oh. came out. She used it to go out in the back and clean up the dog shit. I was like, I just bought that. Oh, <laughs> Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. That That's went down hilarious. the drain. That's hilarious. No, what are you going to do? Went in the toilet. That went right in the toilet. That you're not kidding. With my five bucks and my $8 for shipping. Holy <laughs> yeah. shit. No, I didn't pay that much for shipping. All right. But you know what? We have Mr. Ken Pierce from PiercingMetal.com. Right. right now, he's bunking down in secrecy somewhere in the Metal Kingdom. And uh, let's find out what's going on with Mr. Ken Pierce this week. Kenny, how are you, buddy? Ah, uh, brother, I tell you, I am right now calling you guys from the New York Public Library, uh, sitting here studying before the... Ah, uh, who am I fucking kidding? I am over at Smith's Bar rocking and rolling, getting ready for some Mike Portnoy with uh, with Billy Sheehan and McAlpine and uh, uh, Derek Sherinian over at BB uh, King's tonight. I said, let me let me call you guys before I get too crazy drunk, you know? Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Actually, I'm not gonna be drunk. I just gotta I gotta make sure I can hold the camera in a little while. So, but uh, I said, let me give you a call, and I. I, I could have sworn I heard T on the phone, and I was, like, surprised because the football scene's on. I swore I, swore I saw him at one of the tables ordering down a, ordering down a big plate of wings and a couple of beers like we were I think it's a bye day. week. Uh, Mike, ah, okay, there we go. There we go. Ah, there he is. There he is. So, hey, let me, let, me, let me give you guys a scoop, and I hope everybody is going crazy over there in national mayhem land. Uh, let's see. We got... Like I said, we got Mike Portnoy with Derek Shrini and Tony McAlpine and Billy Sheehan over at Peter King this evening. Tomorrow night, start your Monday off right with Knox Missium over at the Mighty St. Titus out in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Get yourself some Gavazzi while you're over there because that's where they do it right. Uh, on Tuesday, on 11:20, you got Aerosmith with Keith Trick over at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Aerosmith's got a new album out right now, and I have not heard anything of it, but I definitely want to take a listen to it uh, real soon. The band was saying that they are returning to the old-school methodology with their music. Let's see what happens with that. Back to St. Vitus on Wednesday for 1121. you got cattle decapitation over at St. Vitus. Wow, that's a show that is definitely not to be missed because if you remember, there was a big fight between six feet under and the guys in uh, cattle decapitation. Apparently, uh, cattle decap was bringing all the fans, and they were leaving before six feet under went on. So the singer for six feet under was saying how the band sucks, but yet... There was nobody watching them, so that's pretty weird uh, to read about that stuff. But anyway, uh, nothing going on on the 22nd, to my knowledge, and then, as you know, Thanksgiving is happening, so let us all give thanks to the world of metal that it gives us, right? Let us be thankful for our metal. Um, the 11.43 date, that's a Friday, I believe, unless my calendar is mistaken. I'm going by the... Uh, uh, Hal Fordison calendar here. Uh, we got the musical box over at Manhattan Center. These guys are playing the best of classic era Peter Gabriel Genesis. They are a band that is not to be missed if you like Genesis. Also, Dance, Kevin. Dance is over at Irving Plaza that same night on 1123. Just did a giveaway for Dance, Gavin Dance. That's an early starting show at 5 p.m. with all the fans coming out to see 
that band. I think it's called the Rock Yourself to Sleep Tour. So that's going to be an interesting one. And on Saturday, you know them and you love them from Skid Row and from the Broadway stage. It's Sebastian Fox back at B.B. fucking King, man. I start to get my mail over there. They're securing the food for me as my private office. <laughs> I'm there too much, man. I think I the know. only person, I think the only people I see more than the staff of B.B. King's is our own Finnish ambassador, man. I tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're so a busy people. I'm sorry I talk so fast, guys, but I just got to get back to this ice cold beer, man. I just It's just calling my name and saying, My Drink me. My <laughs> So, anyway, as always, remember, come down and find our Facebook page. Mike, I didn't tell you this in an email lately, but I just got 10 more giveaways to do before the year end. Is that amazing or what? That's fantastic. Ten, Ten lucky ten. winners will be doing something good. Ten, man. Holy crap. I'm just so excited about that. It is What a way to close out a fantastic metal year, man. 2012 is, is going to be gone before we know it. So definitely come down and like our Facebook page. Come on over and like our Twitter or follow us on Twitter or whatever the hell you do with Twitter. And we will be sure to keep you in the loop with the scoop with the beat from the heavy metal street. See you later, guys, and have a happy Thanksgiving. You too, Kenny. Everybody. You and your family. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Hey, T, I told you, uh, it was Tony McAlpine. I forgot who the other person was. And the Mike Sheen, Portnoy band. Billy Sheen and Portnoy, that's it, just the three of them? And Billy Sheen. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Do you think if this was 40 years ago, Tony McAlpine would be allowed to walk through the front door? Oh, stop. Okay. Maybe 40 years ago. <laughs> I just said 40 years ago. Oh, I just said 20 years ago. Maybe 40 years ago, B.B. King would be on the club. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> It's a different world we live in over here. It's a different world. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, well, thank you, Kenny, for that update. I know he was rushing. He's got a lot going on there tonight. You know, Kenny lives in the clubs and the bars. What a life, huh? Hey, look. We're doing something wrong here. Wow. Doing- I don't have the energy. I'm lucky I even have the energy to open up the car door to get to the store. I hear you, bro. <laughs> and those days are over for me, buddy. I, I can't hack it no more. And can't those Yeah. Well, you know, Kenny. Kenny's hyped up on, on life. He doesn't even feel it. Yeah. He's bouncing around with his camera, making contacts, flinging out his business cards. That's good. It's... Yeah, he doesn't even realize he's there half the time. <laughs> By the time he gets tired, he's already home in bed. It's true. He, yeah. By the time he winds down. They got to give Kenny, like, an unlimited Metro card, you know, where he can yeah, travel really. year-round. Yeah, uh, go, um, Mayor Bloomberg should uh, assign him. Exactly. Let him do commercials to promote tourism in New York and concerts. Give the guy a Metro card. That's not a bad idea. I know. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know what I said the other day? Somebody was talking about, um, uh, who are they talking about? Pantera again. It's probably Phil Ensemble. You know, he's, always, he's trying to get that thing going now again. He's boxing or something? Was it, who was it? He's boxing now? I, 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 didn't, I, I heard it, but I didn't really read the article. But yeah, that's what I heard. He's, uh, he Like, he needs more shots to the head, that guy. You know, and, <laughs> That's the last thing that guy needs, but he keeps trying to like get that idea about getting Pantera going again. Like you know, with Zach Wild and a band, and uh, you know, the brother, the drummer's like, well, I'm not doing that. It's over. I can't. You know, I said he has no intentions of playing yeah, with yeah. any of my Yeah, and I don't blame him. And you know what? It's true. I mean, it's over. Sometimes you have to let certain things go. Yeah. You know, and, and but you know what'll happen? I mean, they're they're, you know, they're like in their forties, so. You know what's going to happen. One day they're going to be somewhere, and they're going to, you know what I mean? Like, 
Like there's no, you know, they're not they're not going to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but there's going to be like a, a heavy metal thing or something, and they're all yeah. going to be together, and they're going to jump on. It's going to be, you know, a while from now. But uh, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I I don't see that like you said happening full time, but yeah, no, you know, no. but who who the hell knows? But that's what I was reading about. But I was talking about Zach Wilden. He's been really quiet lately, or is it me? Yeah, he's real quiet lately. Yeah. I don't know. He got sober, and uh, you don't hear from him no more. Yeah, he's still wild when, like, when you know, when he's on Eddie Trunk every now and then, you know, yeah. I hear him. You know, he's he's pretty wild, but he hasn't been in the news all that much. Yeah, relatively quiet. I mean, I, I it's been a while since Black Label put anything out, and you know, he's always bouncing around with different projects or playing with different people. You know, but yeah, it's been pretty quiet. We'll see. Maybe 2013, he's gonna bust open wide. Who the hell knows? Yeah, well, he's. We'll for family life, right? You know. I mean? Yeah, you know, it, it gets in the way. It's not like the old days. You know, like you get back in the seventies days, most of these guys started these bands when they were in the late teens, early twenties. They didn't have families, so it was right. no big deal to go out on the road all the time. Yeah. They were just looking to get laid, get drunk, and party. And you know, today you got people that even have families and stuff, and they don't want to be away that long or for that far. I'll let you, Vivian Campbell. He just divorced his wife. Right there, you go. How does she years. look? Is she good looking? I never saw her. I don't know. I don't mind. But uh, apparently. He's He's been dating a, a girl that works for um, that works for the, uh, the on the tour. Oh, okay. So he's been already dating. So I, yeah, you know, yeah, I he's think, been a hot pants already. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think he. You know, it's no big deal. Just think, um, why would why would you want to be married in the eighties when metal was at its high point? Yeah, right. And, you know, I mean, even the ugliest freaking bands playing the hardest music were right. getting laid. <laughs> why? Exactly. I don't know. I don't understand that. Yeah, I can see now, but not, not back then. But sure, when you're in your 40s, maybe. But hell yeah. When you're in your 20s and you're, you know, you're rocking all over the world. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, I was finished by the time I was 24, so I mean, yeah. I would have had to gotten into that window back then. <laughs> you know, I'm like FDR now. I'm, I'm crippled from the waist down. Oh, FDR. <laughs> 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 Nothing left for me. Uh, what are you going to do? But uh, And then I saw, you know, Empire of Evil, uh, uh, Mantis from, you know, Venom and uh, Tony Dolan. Right. They got that band going. They're recording a new record now, and they're reworking uh, a lot of the songs from his era of Venom. At the oh, prime really? Venom. And yeah, I mean, I'd like to hear some of them, but I really would have liked to have heard a, a follow-up record with the original tunes, because the first record was kick-ass, and when they came to Brooklyn mm-hmm. a few months back to play, they right. were freaking amazing. That place was packed, and everybody was going... I mean, there were people our age in there. There were kids in there, and everybody knew the song. I mean, they were going... More ballistic for the Venom songs, I will be honest, because but that's because those songs have been around for yeah. twenty five, thirty years. Huh. And, you know, and they did the classic Venom songs. They did a lot of the Kronos uh, uh, Venom tunes back then, and they mixed in like, you know, they did like a Venom song, one of the originals of Venom. They went back and forth, right? But nobody really knew that because the album had just come out at that time, and a lot of people didn't have it yet. But the tunes are really good, and if you listen to the album, you know, and, and if you're a fan of Venom, you're gonna dig the album. But I don't know. I mean. I just keep seeing more and more bands like re-recording old songs. It gave me a great idea for Metal Matinee. I'm going to do a Metal Matinee on like bands that re-recorded songs and play one of each. But yeah, yeah I, I, you want to do more original material right now than go back to that right well, off the bat. I, I know a lot of bands. You know, you know the old thing like you don't really own you know your old recordings. True. So if you redo them and you set resell them on your new label, now you reown them again. You know. Yeah, it's a like, problem. Uh, That's I think right, the yeah. first band to do that was Suicidal Tendencies. Remember, uh-huh. they did the whole first record over again. That's right. That's right. Now, I don't know if it was for the royalty thing, but or they just wanted to put a new, 
a new twist on the old stuff. Yeah. Uh, although I like I like the first recording better. You can't uh, you can't you know we said that about the Man of War about yeah. you can't get that that feeling yeah. back. You so know, you it's, get the same but Man of War that is really watered down. It's like every now and then I I'll listen to a couple of, you know like one maybe a whole a half of three quarters of a track and I once it gets to the solo, you know, I just like you know, click on to the end. Like, let's see what the next song sounds like. Yeah, I haven't really sat down and listened to the whole thing, but it just has no has no soul, you know. Exactly. No that's soul. that's, that's I mean, exactly what it is. It, it's those, missing those the soul. Those guys were like sweating in the studio, and, and you know what I mean, and yeah, and putting their heart into it, and now you you re-recording that stuff, and unless it's live. I don't see them putting that much uh, energy into it, you know, and it and it comes across, it's especially true. when you use all the electronic drum shit, you know, just click tracks that, that and all that. That seems to be stuff. what the man was all about these days. That really tells it. Well, it, matter of fact, what's his name? Um, Kid Rock was on the Howard Stern last week. Yeah. And he played a new track. Let me tell you something. It sounds more like old Aerosmith than the new Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it probably does. He didn't say that, you know, because he didn't want to, you know, he he just said it's good time American rock and roll, like yeah. in the 70s, and he didn't mention bands, you know. And I knew immediately who he was talking about. And he says, there's no click tracks, no electronics, this. There's some mistakes in there. There's some chicks singing in the background. Uh, You know, there's me, you know, flubbing here and there, there's, you know, but it, it's dirty and it's greasy and, and it's rock and roll, and that's what you need. You need more of that, you know. Yeah. There's too much of this. You know, I, don't get me wrong. You could still do a balls out, have fun record. You know, using Pro Tools and all that crap too. You know, you don't have to do it. You know, live in the yeah. studio and spend million, uh, thousands of dollars like he did, maybe. But, you know, if you don't have the cash, it could still be have that raw sound. It's the energy. It's how you play it, you know. Exactly and right. Some of these bands just don't have it anymore when they I record know. the old stuff. I but know. I can well, understand you know. why, you know. Like, you want to re- you want to really own the songs, you know. You want to own of your course. recordings again. That's what the old songs like. But a lot of bands, you know, when's the, I don't think Aerosmith probably wrote any of the songs on the new record in full. Maybe they contribute a, a part here and there or they... Yeah. They have people that are writing music for them now. Uh, yep. Kiss has done that for years. I mean, even yep. going back to some of the early, you know, uh, uh, days. And I mean, you're in a band for what reason? I mean, you're in a band because you want to be a musician. You want to write. Right. Yeah, I know all the sex, drugs, and rock and roll comes with it, and that's the fun part of it. But writing music because you want people to hear what you can do. You want people singing your tunes. Yep. How can you really dedicate yourself to a song that someone else writes for you? I mean, I don't get it. Especially, I you know, I can see that like Frank Sinatra, you know, Dean Martin. Big band singers. That's they performers. They were singers. They're performers that exactly. you know, they didn't they didn't write. But if they never you said wrote they were songs and then all of a sudden you're not in the writing process anymore. I, yeah. I don't understand. I How can somebody understand. recreate your sound or your vibe? And you know, Man of War, perfect example. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Ross the Boss stuff. Yeah. You can't recreate that guitar. I'm not saying that all the guitar players I had after that had another two after that. I mean, Carl Logan and uh, yeah. what else was in there? Somebody else was in there for a little while too. Yeah. Um, Oh Jesus! Um, David Shankle, David Shankle. Yeah. I'm not saying the big guitar players. Oh, I enjoy what David Shankle does. They're all right. But. Yeah, but they just can't recreate that sound that Ross had. And you know what? I know a lot of fans don't give a shit, but but I do in a way because I miss that sound. I miss that vibe. Well, 
You know, and you know, we've seen bands over years replace everybody. You know what? Some bands come out today, they break up, they get back together with different members. I don't care because they're not saying that they're recreating the past. They're just trying to get them play. So right. you either accept it for what it is or you don't. But when you try to live by that mantra and when you started out and you have different guys in the band creating different sounds, I, I, I don't dig it and I can't go for it. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Uh, so well, one good but... thing about the whole man war thing is Ross is still making some decent music, you know. Exactly, exactly. Hellstorm is a, a real solid album. Yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe next year we'll get a new one out of it. It's been yeah, about two I years. Think, I think like they're that. working on some new stuff. All right. Well, your buddies with Ross, so when he's got that album going, we'll have him back on. Oh, that would be funny. It's been yeah, a couple of years since we've spoken to him on the show, and yeah. that was a bad show too, because I think if I remember, we were losing power and phone outages, <laughs> on internet outages. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of took control of the whole thing, but we'll get him back on again. So whenever you talk to him, just tell him to come back on sometime, and we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely. do that again. Yeah, I'm going to send him an email this week. Sounds good to me. All right, well, why don't we head over to Germany before we do this interview? A little Steeler. Not the the Steeler from uh, here, the Ron Keel Steeler. It's the German version. Okay. Uh, heavy Metal Century.
right, Dead Engine with Violence is Golden. You know, T, I forgot to upload the interview with Marcus Brinkman. That was pre-recorded. Oh. I'm bad, man. I was away the last two days. I thought I did. I took care of everything before I went away, but uh, I guess I'm getting senile. So I just started uploading it a little while ago. Hopefully it'll uh, oh. it'll get done in the next few minutes. You know, we could go right into it and uh, oh, okay. end the show on time. If not, I'll let it run, and then I'll have to air it after the, the live show is over. I really can't do nothing. I apologize if that happens, but... I'm working on it. The little doll is spinning. Hopefully it'll stop spinning soon. But uh, how about we do something off the brand new Mob Rules record, Cannibal Nation, and hopefully when that song is over with, we'll be able to go right to the interview with Marcus. Okay. All right, so let me see what I can dig up over here. Let's try to find something that will fit into the time period. All right, this is good enough. Here's a song called Telebox Fools.
All right, the interview just uploaded. That's going to wind up closing out today's show. We should have it on in with seconds to spare, I think. Uh, this is the unedited version. I wasn't able to cut out the chit-chat. But I want to thank everybody for listening today. I want to thank our guest. T, there's no show this Thursday for the Metal Matinee because it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. You and your family have a very happy one. Oh, and, you too, my friend. And we will be back here next Sunday night with uh, Billy, Gid- Billy Giddens from uh, Alloy 20 and Tension. And I know we have somebody else. I just don't know who it's going to be yet. I haven't confirmed it, but we got two guests coming up this week. So I will see everybody then. And like I said, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You too, T. All right, my friend. Take care, everybody. Take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Hello, Mike. Hey, Marcus. This is Mike. How are you? I'm fine. How about you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. Yes, a pleasure for me too. Oh, great. I have to apologize now in case we get disconnected because <laughs> we had a bad storm here in New York and it's yes, messed around I heard with power. About. Yeah, so I'll try to keep you on as long as I can. <laughs> and if I lose you, I apologize ahead of time. So you still have problems with the power? Yeah, they're still uh, changing a lot of the electric lines and the power lines. So we go in and we go out. We go in and we go out. It's been a oh long time God. now. Yeah. Wow. That's but, a pain in the ass, I guess. <laughs> it really is, especially when you have nothing to do but talk to your wife all day. Yes. That's the biggest pain in the ass. But I got you right now, and hey, that's a pleasure right there in itself. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so, well, you know, the big news, obviously, the brand new record, Cannibal Nation. Uh, it's been three years since the last record. So uh, how do you feel about the new album, how it came out, and compare it to the last record? Um, <clears throat> we're very proud of this album. I think... Um, uh, my opinion, it's a very good example um, about how timeless traditional music can sound. And, um, yeah, we put a lot of energy into this album. So it took us, yeah, almost three years. And I think uh, compared to the last album, Radical Peace, um, yeah, we developed a little bit more into a good direction. Yeah, the band's had a solid lineup now for a couple of years, so it must be better that everybody's more familiar with each other and their playing style. Plus, I heard you guys have your own studio, so I guess that kind of affords you the luxury of taking more time to record and put that effort into it. Of course, this is very relaxing. Um, Sven bought bought a house last year, and yeah, he built, built up a studio in his basement, and that was a place where yeah, we did a lot of composing stuff with the whole band. And yes, it's very, very cool to work in the studio, well, under studio conditions. So you, um, you can hear it in the arrangement. Most of the songwriting was done it, and the result is that every song is arranged and composed into all detail and right on the point. It was, and you know, this is your third album with the band. Actually, you know, you go back to 2006, Evolution AD, and your sound has definitely matured. Your playing with the band has grown. But I heard that you started out as a guitar player, but not with not with Mob Rules. I guess maybe early on when you were younger. Uh, yes, I started as a guitar player. Um, I started making music with uh, 16. Yeah, <laughs> I decided to to start with guitar because a friend of mine was. Uh, uh, playing guitar too, and he taught me a lot of things. And but later I found out it's yeah, it's very hard to find a band um, as a guitar player, or um, if you are a very very good guitar player, then it's no problem. But <laughs> I wasn't that good, <laughs> and so um, and my friend who had a band who was asking me if I would like to join the band as a bass player. 
And I said, yeah, hmm, why not? So then there was a time when I when I switched to bass guitar. It was um, with 18, I guess, <laughs> a long, long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked out well because Mob Rules needed a bass play. And Mob Rules were one of the bands who kind of came out in the mid-90s when, at least here in America, and other, metal was kind of on the way out. Nobody wanted to hear it no more. Nobody wanted to play it. Was it like that over in Germany and over in other parts of Europe? Was heavy metal still strong over there throughout the 90s? I think so, yes. We didn't have this problem with the, with, yeah, the grunge music. and Yeah. <laughs> like this. Um, me personally, I was always listening to, to metal, and especially prog metal. and I think here... It was never really, really dead. Yeah, it seems that way. It just always seems alive over there. And, and it seems like, you know, parents kind of pass their music down to their kids, and they keep it going. We're over here in America. Whatever comes out tomorrow, everybody jumps on, and they throw away the past. Where you guys, you know, keep it alive, and, and you keep it in, your, in the family. That's true. But, but I think that's, that's a European thing. I think... um not not only in Germany the scene um, wasn't that bad um, in the whole Europe. Uh, when you think about um, Scandinavia, a lot of good bands um, are coming from there, and they have a very good scene. That's true. Uh, do you find that the bands today, especially like Marvels, they they tend to play the festivals more often than going out on a tour because you can go to one place. And play in front of a lot of people at one time, we instead of having to lug around equipment from you know city to city to reach an audience. Of course, it's cool to play on, on big festivals, and I really enjoyed the the atmosphere on these festivals, meeting all all the all the guys from the other bands. Um, yeah, talk to the fans, and especially, I almost every year I went to uh, Wacken Open Air here in Germany. Yeah which is one of the biggest metal festivals. And, and this is always nice because um, you meet so many people from all over the world. And, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I can imagine. Are you ever surprised of the reaction of the fans? Like, because you're in a studio for probably months at a time, you know, working on songs, recording them. You probably get tired of hearing them because you're redoing parts over and over again. You kind of don't know how it's going to sound to anybody else besides the band members have heard it. And then you go out there, you play these songs, and you see the reaction of the fans, and you realize they've been out there all that time waiting for you. Yes. That, that, that's the most yeah impressive moment when you go on stage and – yeah, so you play the new songs, and yet you see the reaction of the people. You see, yeah, they're singing along with your songs, and that these songs uh, are really working well live, which is not, yeah, working with every song, but yeah, most of the songs. I understand. I mean, you joined Mob Rules about six, seven years ago. Did you happen to know the band, or were you familiar with the band at all at that time, or was it the first time you actually heard of them when you joined? Because I, I believe you were in a cover band before they called Rat Pack. Yeah, that's, that's true. Hey, how did you know about this? I do my research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm impressed. <laughs> yes, it's true. I was in a cover band before, and um, yeah, we played a, a lot of shows. Um, the 
the year um, here in our area, and we are very uh, yeah, famous, I have to say, and or well known. And yes, um, on one show, uh, Sven, the guitar player, um, was in the audience, and after the show, we was we were talking to each other, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, I play for my Bruce." Uh, at this time, I didn't really know about Mobruz. I didn't know what kind of music they make. I only knew the name Mobruz, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but I had no uh, idea what kind of music they are doing. So, um, yeah, he was talking to me and asked me, yeah, we are searching for a bass player. Um, can you imagine, yeah, playing for Mobruz? I said, hmm, I'm sure, but yeah, why not? I have to listen to your music first. So um, I went to YouTube and watched a few videos, and yes, that was the point where I realized, yes, that's the kind of music I always wanted to do. So I phoned Sven, and yeah, we met for a rehearsal, we played a few songs, and we get along very well, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> wow, that, that's great. That's the whole thing. I mean, being in a band today, I mean, you've seen the scene change over the years from the beginning to how it is now. Um, there's not a lot of record companies to put out there anymore. It's difficult for bands to tour. People download albums, so it's hard to make money doing that. Uh, what do you find to be the most challenging part of, you know, being in a, an active band today? Um, I think the most problem is uh, the business is tough with all the illegal download things. Um, it's hard for most of the bands to finance uh, the production of a CD. Uh, so, and that's, I think the quality of the productions will uh, suffer from this fact. So, um, today, almost everyone can record a CD at home with Cubase or stuff like this. Um, but what comes out is almost a bad production. Yeah. Or in, in most cases. And yes, I think um, the kids um, that download the music or listen to lousy YouTube MP3 files on yeah. on the internet, they forget about how how a properly produced um, CD can sound. I think um, it's an overall lack of quality going along with the fact that record labels try to balance their losers by putting any record on the market that is recorded. So, um, I think for for, uh, for Mob Rules, um, we have the big opportunity that most of us have daytime jobs, so we are not, we are independent from our music, you know? Yeah. Um, so, we, we, um, we save a lot of the money that we make with or merchandise, and we put it into the production. The first or the primary goal for us is to make a good sounding CD and a, um, a powerful production. So we are not, um, yeah. I think you accomplished that with Cannibal Nation. I mean, it's a very polished record. It's got a great sound to it. I mean, when you, I mean, I guess having your own studio, it probably helps with the cost savings. You know, not having to go out and, and do it on the outside. But does it ever get to the point where the business end of the music affects the actual music because you kind of have to concentrate so much on the business end of it? Or do you have the opportunity to have other people handle that for you? 
Mm. Okay, well, when we when we do an SD, most of the recordings we do by by ourselves, like the drums or guitars, basses, and only the vocals, for example, and the mix, the mastering, uh, we do in Marcus Tesco's studio. That's our producer. Uh, he's a great studio and he's a great engineer. He comes up with good ideas. So that that's the point when we when we need yeah help from someone else. Yeah, it's a help. Uh, well, I know you guys have a couple of shows left this year. We're almost done with 2012. Any tours plans for next year already, or anything in the works for 2013? And maybe get you guys out in the road uh, all over the world, or yeah, hopefully. Um, actually, we're working on some some um, tour plans for spring next year, um, but nothing fixed. <laughs> yeah, not yet. Um, this week we have uh, our last two shows. On Friday we um, fly over to Oslo to play on the, play on the Pro Power Festival. And um, next day we play in Cologne, a headliner show on a small festival. And that's it for this year. And then we, are, we will concentrate on uh, yeah, making a, a tour in the beginning of next uh, next year. Oh, that's fantastic. Marcus, I'm not going to keep you much longer because I see my lights flickering right now. I think I'm going to lose you, but I oh. hope the band can get to America sometime in 2013. Oh, it was amazing. It would be great to see you guys here again. And, and Cannibal Nation is out right now. A solid record. I think one of the band's best. You know, everybody says that when the new records come out, but I think this one really is one of your finest records. Thank you so much. Nice to hear you. Marcus, thank you very much, man. The best of luck with the group. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay. Take care, Marcus. Take care.